Hey y'all, Pastor Drew here. We're in the middle of a book study with our intercessory team discussing the book, Breaking Spiritual Strongholds in Your City by C. Peter Wagner. Now, first off, I want to say thank you to Eileen for leading our book study last week. Now, uh, if we were all together, she did such a good job first off, but, but if we were all together, I'd have us give her a big round of applause. But since we aren't, this will have to do... Yes. Thank you, Eileen. We love and appreciate you. So today we're focusing on the book, chapter four. Here we go. Now this this chapter was written by a man, and I do not know fully how to say his name. His, his name is Shell Schuberg. That's my attempt, but um, I'm going to be referring to him a lot as he or the author because I don't know how to say his name. But this guy is a pioneer of strategic level spiritual warfare. I mean, uh, he knows some stuff about what the Lord wants to do through spiritual warfare. Stoked to get to learn from him. But this specific chapter is about spiritual mapping for prophetic prayer actions. Now, the author starts out by encouraging us to be well-informed as intercessors. He talks about how we pray more effectively when we're better informed. He talks about a friend who had, a, uh, who had pitched an idea to a prime minister in their country and how, of course, the friend was super informed and prepared for the meeting as he met with the prime minister. He knocked it out of the ballpark. He was ready and prepared for the meeting. But later, as an intercessor, this same friend went to God and began to pray. And God told his friend, he said, Today you're seeking my face on a very important matter. And then God said, I am the king of kings. How much have you prepared yourself to be well informed about the area you're presenting to me? And he was uh, basically saying, you were super prepared when you met with the prime minister, but what about me, the king of kings? Are you prepared when you meet with me? Now, when I read this, I felt, um, if there's a possible way to feel this, I, I felt like I felt this, I felt wonderfully convicted. I mean, uh, when I am preparing for a meeting, I, I come in and um, and, and I, I feel really prepared if I'm preparing for any type of meeting, like with people, regarding ministry, regarding whatever. But when it comes to prayer and when it comes to my time with God, so much of the, of, of the time I think of this meeting as being something that he's going to reveal something to me. And as much as that is true, uh, I realize how little I bring to the table on those occasions. But the truth is, when it comes to intercessory prayer, and, and in many ways, prayer in general, it's far better to gather information and bring that information before God and then let God help us sift through whatever the information is. So this was such a wonderful revelation to me, to my heart, and, and I just believe it's going to impact my heart for years to come. I'm, I'm just so thankful that I got to read this section in the book, if nothing else, for this very point alone. Lord, let me come to you better informed in Jesus' name. All right, so back to the point. God is calling us as an intercessory prayer team to get informed. 
about the history of Greater Orlando and Illuminate Church, to remain current with news and research so we can be more informed when we come to God and ask God to lead us to pray for these things. I just think this is such a this such wise counsel spoken into us by this man. All right. So throughout this chapter, the author talks a lot about this one spy intercessor. And and I love how he talked about this guy. This was just mind opening to me. So um, as, as I was reading, as he told stories about this spy intercessor of sorts, I, I realized I've had an idea to do that before, that what if we, there were intercessors that would go behind enemy lines to see what the enemy was doing? But for some reason, I just felt like there was something wrong with it, that it was unethical or something. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't know why I felt like that, but, but anyways... The author says not everyone has this anointing. But what this spy intercessor did was he would go to different New Age and Spiritist conferences that were in their area. And he would do it so he could go behind enemy lines and see what the enemy was saying, see what they were planning. Uh, He would do this so the intercessors would have an inside scoop and pray against what the enemy was planning. And he said in multiple cases, because of this spy intercessor was give was able to give wonderful information to the team that the enemy's plans were thwarted and uh, came to nothing. And I just thought that was so awesome. Like talk about like some double agent stuff. This is like Jesus level CIA stuff. Like how awesome is that? And, and as I thought about it more, I mean, I, I know that this happens a lot on the other end. The Bible tells us to beware of wolves in sheep clothing coming into our churches, right? So the enemy uses this tactic. But I had never heard of an actual time when God used this tactic with one of his people going behind enemy lines to find out the plans of the enemy. Now, perhaps there are times in the Bible where this happened, and I I just encourage you, if you know of any, let me know. But off the top of my head, I just can't think of any. Maybe David, when he's hanging out with the Philistines for a season, but a big reason he did that was so that Saul wouldn't attack him. Anyways, long story short, um, I just personally wasn't aware of anything in the Bible that, that said that, but it's really amazing to see this. And... Uh, even though I'm not sure I know of anyone who has this anointing, I don't think I do. But um, And maybe there's someone on our team who does have this secret agent, spy, uh, intercessor anointing. But um, it, this is just very intriguing to me. It's super cool to think about new ways to fight the battle against the enemy. I love when God reveals things like that. So. Okay, moving on. Toward the end of page 97, the author talks about how uh, they bring research papers to each of their intercessory meetings. And I thought this was so great and so important. And it made me just be reminded, though, that Anne-Marie, Eileen, and Elisa have already been employing this. Like, as we prepare for each kind of review session of what the intercessory uh, intercessors have been doing. We, we've done this a couple times on Wednesday night prayers. Um, they will prepare this research document or this kind of update of what we've been doing in intercessory prayer up until that point. 
And, um, and I just want to commend them. Anne-Marie, Eileen, Elisa, you're doing a great job. And if any of you want to see what's been happening, whether it be uh, through uh, different prophetic words that have been spoken over Greater Orlando, or whether it be us going to the soccer stadium and praying, or Lake Eola and praying, um, that document can be found on the Teams app. So if you don't know how to access the Team app, we'd love to talk to you about that. We want you to get connected to that. But I encourage you to check that out. Stay informed with us so that you can keep praying into this with us. Okay, back to the book. Um, so the author breaks down how geographically focused God is, and I love it. Um, uh, he goes into how the promised land was this focus of God, and how different kingdoms that are named in the Bible are, are very spiritually focused, whether it be for God's kingdom or the enemies. And, um, and, and as I'm reading through this, um, thoughts of how territorial spirits function. Um, I, I'm just being reminded of that. And the author talks about how this is, it's very important that we focus our prayers geographically. This is how God's focused, and this is how spirits are focused, and so that we would gear our prayers in a ge geographical way. And I just thought, wow, that is super strategic and awesome. So there was a saying that was uh, really prevalent in a lot of the undergraduate studies that, that I was a part of, and there was a saying coined by John Piper who's a pastor in Minnesota, the saying goes, we cannot know what prayer is for until we know that life is war. And as I read this chapter, I feel like this saying became more real to my heart. As I read, um, uh, just feeling that there's a very real strategic geographical war plan that God wants us to tap into. And that the more we are willing to look at intercessory prayer in this way for greater Orlando and for our church land, the more we will succeed in defeating the enemy. One quote um, from page 100 that I thought was incredible was this. Uh, the author writes, God is calling intercessors to take responsibility for cities and nations and people group. And I just thought, wow, talk, talk about upping the bar for God's call to intercession. Now, just to make myself clear, I'm not saying that uh, I believe or that the author believes that every intercessor is called to take responsibility of cities and nations. I, I don't believe that's what he's saying. That's not what I'm saying. But I do challenge each person to ask God what level of intercession he's calling you to. Because I think there's a very real way in which more intercessors are being called up to city level, national level, state level intercession. And uh, yeah, I would just encourage you, let's, let's continue to rise in to whatever God is calling us to in the intercessory ministry. All right, moving on. On pages 101 and 102, the author talks about Machu Picchu and how each structure is set up in this almost perfect astrological and, and sacred geography way. That this city was basically set up specifically for demonic worship and to align with uh, spiritist ways. Then he talks about this place in Sweden where the whole landscape is set up on grid lines. 
so as not to disturb the flow of psychic energy. I thought that was so interesting. So through these stories, the author is uh, helping us to see that we should look at the layout of the area that we're praying for and see if there's any type of demonic reason that our city was set up the way it was. And there's a really good question for us to ask. So next, the author um, talks about prophetic prayer actions. Now, we in the past as a team have called them simply prophetic actions. Um, But the author talks about how Gideon makes a great example of this and how he heard from God and God commanded him to break down the altars of Baal and put up altars of the Lord in their place. Um, He said this was a divinely given prophetic prayer action. Now, thankfully, we've been introduced to this concept previously, as I said before, and we've employed this uh, uh, prophetic action on many occasions. Uh, To be honest, I think someone who could uh, teach all of us a thing or two about prophetic actions is none other than our intercessory prayer leader, Anne-Marie. I've seen her uh, use prophetic actions on many occasions, whether it be as an encourager or on Wednesday night in prayer or in multiple occasions, but the Lord's really gifted her in this way. So if you have any questions about that, I'd encourage you to go talk to her. She would would love to encourage you in that way. But a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night, um, one one of the ways we've done this, um, just an example, is God told us to kick over chairs And it was like we were kicking down a wall of the enemy. And that was one of the things he told us to do. But not only was this a prophetic action, I'm just being honest, this felt really good. Like we were just like, bam, kicking these chairs and it was just awesome. But um, anyway, so another way that God has uh, had us work out a prophetic action is when he had us break the four locks of pride, trafficking, disillusionment, and disillusionment distraction that were over Orlando. And uh, we actually literally did this with a lock cutter. We broke the locks and this was a prophetic action that we believe had spiritual power that was breaking the locks in the spirit as we were breaking these physical locks. So this is what a prophetic action is. All right, so next in the book on page 103 and 104, uh, the author asks some great questions. He writes, as a prayer leader, I always ask myself, How far can we go? What are the people prepared for? What timeline is God laying out for us? And are these intercessors mature enough in the spirit to understand the things we're about to do? And I think these are great questions for our team. Uh, And I I just want to tell you, though, I think that each of us are mature and prepared to to go and, and rise uh, in the whatever way God is calling us to in intercession, uh, but that we should continually be looking to grow, to grow in all that God is calling us to do in intercessory prayer. It could be certain things that we're scared of or certain things that, ooh, that's something I don't know if I would do, and that we would just continually ask God to help us rise in his Uh, supernatural ability to meet whatever intercessory challenges God wants us to meet. All right. So as the chapter continues, I, I, I loved it when the author talked about how important it is to repent for corporate sins in our region. 
And this is something that I felt like God was highlighting to me and has been highlighting to me in the last month or so, that this is something we will be doing as an intercessory prayer team over Greater Orlando and over our church, that we will be standing in the place of those who have been in our past, and we will be able to repent corporately for, our, for Greater Orlando and for our church. Now, also, the author talks about how God wants to fill the whole earth with his glory, but that unrepented sin keeps him from doing this. He writes, individual sin hinders a person from having close fellowship with God, but collective sin hinders God's spirit from being manifest over a community. And I just thought, wow. Uh, when, When I read that, my spirit was just saying, yes and amen. This is a part of what God is going to grant us to step into, to, uh, to repent for collective sin in our community. And in this way, God is going to break through. I believe this is a key to breakthrough in our region, is that we would step in and repent. Okay, so next the author gives seven important questions for spiritual mapping. I thought these were great. The first question is, what are the main gods, little g-gods, of the nation or region we're in. And a follow-up thought that I had to this is, could greed, pride, or creativity, entertainment, could these be little g-gods or idols? Uh, And then there's just an idea. We can talk and think more through it as we pray through this. The second question the author brings up is, uh, what are the altars, high places, and temples connected with the worship of the fertility gods. And one of the questions I have about this is, could trafficking, sex trafficking, be tied to this in Orlando? Could Disney, Universal, and other places, even financial uh, uh, businesses, be tied to this in our region? The next question, question three is, have leaders in our region dedicated themselves to little g gods? And again, my follow-up question is, could greed or power be a little g-god? All right, the fourth question he brings up is, um, has there been bloodshed that pollutes the land? Now, on this topic, none other than Kim Linaway on our prayer team has already found out some interesting information. And the answer is yes, that greater Orlando, there's been bloodshed of Native Americans that has polluted the land. So this will be one of the things that we will get to repent for regarding our region. And it would be interesting to see if we can um, uh, contact any Native Americans and and be able to have them at that prayer meeting. And uh, I think we'll have to, it'll have to be a God thing that he would put it together. But whatever the case, uh, yeah, that's just one of the things that has happened. And as we continue to research, we might come across more. All right, the fifth question the author asks is, how was the foundation of the city or region laid? Now, this is super important regarding how Orlando came about, but not just Orlando. Before Orlando, uh, the Native Americans. What, what foundation did they have? Like, what, what did they believe in? What did they build what they believed in on in this area? And I think the last pivotal thing this area, and there may be even more than this, is Disney. Seeing what the foundation of Disney was and what spirits may have been under that. So there's three layers, Native Americans, Orlando, and Disney, um, that it seems like we need to really dig into to see 
okay, what do we need to be praying into um, as far as foundations to our, our, our region? All right, the sixth question he asked is, how have God's messengers been received in that area? Now, in this section, the author tells us really interesting story about this missionary um, who moved into an area and just was not received well by the people. So the missionary goes up onto this mountain and he dusts his feet off, just as the Bible tells him to, and then he moves out of the region. Well, uh, the people of that region in, in modern times are praying and they're asking for God to move and he won't move. And finally, God reveals to them that 400 years ago, there was this missionary that was mistreated. And they, they go up to the same mountain that this missionary dusted his feet off and they repent from mistreating him. And then God begins to move in their region. Now, this is something that in, in Orlando, I don't know how we'll be able to track this exactly, but I think we can, to some extent, track articles and different things, and we'll just see what the Lord will uh, reveal to us as we ask him to lead us to information in this way, so that we can come and, and pray into this and repent if repentance is needed for our community in this way. All right, and number seven, the last question um, that he asks is, how were the old seats of power built? Now, basically, the author encourages us to pray in this section with intentionality and precision, um, to pray in a way that will bring focused power. Uh, he, he tells us to fight smart and not just waste energy. He encourages that praying for positions of power is one of the, the ways to pray smart um, because you're praying in a way that will make the most impact. So he talks about how a part of praying for government is seeing what demonic influences may be hanging around from past people who held that seat of power. And before God puts the new guy into power, that the seat must be cleansed in Christ to prepare God's way. I thought that was a great point as we pray for our leaders. All right, moving on, and this is one of the last things I'll say that uh, one of the best quotes from the whole chapter is found on page 111. And the author writes, we're not in bondage to our research. We do not use all the material we prepare by eager researchers. David had five stones when he met Goliath on the battlefield, but he only used one of his sharp stones to conquer the giant. We need the highest precision of aim to hit the enemy at his most vulnerable point. Wisdom in battle is to win the victory without wasting ammunition. And I thought this was such a great point that as we research and do the work of spiritual mapping, that we want to bring a lot more information than we're going to use. But a part of it is God helping us sift through the information to find the enemy's weak point. And as God reveals the enemy's weak point, that's the button we press. That's what we pray into and pray against, and down falls the wall of the enemy. And so what he's talking about is uh, intelligent spiritual warfare. And I just think, I, as I read more of this book, I feel like I'm getting it more. And I just hope that it's encouraging you and that you feel like your uh, ability to discern what God is after in intelligent spiritual warfare, that that's going up in your life as well. All right, so um, I hope my thoughts on this book study encourage you today. Uh, this is just one perspective, though. This is just my perspective. 
And as I've said it before, and I'll say it again, we need each intercessor's perspective. I'm just one piece of the puzzle, but we need the full puzzle of Holy Spirit breathed perspectives to to really make the whole picture. You know, we, we really need all of our perspective. So if you have thoughts or comments or things you want to share about this chapter, we would love to hear them. We need to hear them. And I hope you'd put it in the comments right below this um, on Teams. Now, if you're replying to the email, then just reply to that email. All right, so yeah, um, your, your opinion matters. Your position on this stuff matters. We want to hear from you. All right, so until next time, I love you. May God bless you and fill you with his presence continually. Bye.